Hey, it's Kaylin Priest, and you are listening to the Wholehearted Business Podcast. Hello, my friends, and welcome back for another episode. Listen, I think you guys are really going to like this one. This one goes out to all of my ambitious girls out there, which if you're listening to this, you probably are. And I have been feeling inside of me recently, the last few months, this pull to come back to presence. And which is interesting for me because I used to like not even really understand what presence even was or meant or what it felt like or what it was like to experience being present. But I've had a taste of it in the past year. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that in just a second. I've had a taste of what it's actually like to be present in your life in the past year. I'm laughing to myself as I'm saying this because it probably sounds silly, but I the reason why I'm really excited about this episode is because I think that a lot of women have this problem, that we don't actually even know what it means or what it feels like to be fully present in mind, in body, in spirit. And because we're ambitious women, we're high achievers and we're always working on something. We're always thinking about something, especially if you're like me and you love your business to the point where you're, it's like your hobby too. And so it's something that you don't just think about because you feel pressure or stress to think about it. You actually enjoy to think about it too. But because of that, it creates very little space for quiet and stillness and silence because your brain is always rushing to the next thing that it feels like you should be doing or could be doing and you feel like you need to be productive and you need to check things off your to-do list. I don't know if any of this is sounding familiar, <laughs> but this that's basically the story of my life is just that I really struggled to slow down, to stop, to feel, to experience and just be. Not all the time. I should give myself more credit, but a lot of the time, a large percentage of the time, I really, really struggled with this. And so in the last couple of months, it's like as my I don't want to say my workload has been increasing. I'm fully booked with one-on-one coaching clients right now. Side note, I will be accepting, I will be bringing on new client spots the end of November, early December. Just as a plug, if you've been thinking about working with me as your private one-on-one coach, I will be opening spots soon. But in the last couple of months, as my spots have filled up, it's kind of like my brain has gone back to the old version of me where I overwork and I push myself to 110% every single day, every waking moment, pretty much of every hour, unless I'm like sick or it's Sunday and I like either just choose not to because that's not how I am or because I like physically cannot. And so, so I want to tell you a little bit about my experience. I'm calling 2023 my year where I got off the hurrying train And I had this little season of about six months where I really experienced what it was like to be present in the most deep, beautiful, meaningful way. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. But I wanted to say that first to say like recently, the last few months where my I have noticed my mind and my body and my spirit have been craving presence It's because I know what it's like to experience that now. If you've never experienced it before, you can't crave it. If you don't know what it's like or you've never tried it, you've never experienced it, how would your body know how to want that or desire that? So first I want to start with what does it even mean to me to be present as I understand it right now? To me, being present is being unhurried. It's being unrushed. It's you know how I don't know if any of you do this. This is something I do often. One picture that comes to my mind very specifically is I'm 
I'm rocking Drew to sleep, our little 18-month-old, or feeding him a bottle as he's getting ready to go down for a nap or bedtime. And I'm sitting there rocking with him, and I'm looking at him, and I'm smiling at him and playing with him while my brain is in a different world. <laughs> my brain is thinking about, oh, I need to remember to send that email. I've got to remember to move the laundry over. i got to figure out what I'm going to make for dinner tonight. I've got to remember to call Grant's school. I've got to, you know, this, 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 and this. And kind of like constantly is thinking about my to-do list all the time, even if I'm not in like a moment where I can't even be working on any of those things, right? I have like my hands are basically tied. I have a baby in one arm and a bottle in the other one. Like there's nothing I can do to solve that problem right now, but it's on my mind. My brain's thinking about it instead of being here in this actual moment and actually experiencing it with whoever else is in it. That's what it means to me to be present and to feel present. So 2023 has been the year that I got off the hurry train. I want to kind of take you back. I'm just going to give you a little quick highlight of each month of this year for me. And if I, when I go back to look at the beginning of this year, well, let me just say this. I'm going to go back through each month and I'm going to give myself basically a presence score or rating for each month. One being like, yeah, I was basically not there. And 10 being like, I was the most present that I could be. And let's do this. This will be fun. So let's go back to January 2023. That was the month where I was in the due diligence process of selling poppy seed play. So basically we got an offer the very one of the first days of January um, to sell the business. And then we knew that they wanted 30 days of due diligence and then we were going to close on the sale of the business. And so literally for the entire month of January, I would rate myself about a, a two on the scale of like one being the absolute worst, 10 being the most present I could be, I was a two. For that entire month in the due diligence phase, it was really heavy and laborious, lots of documents to review, lots of information to send, so many spreadsheets to go over. There were so many late nights spent on spreadsheets. And so, um, yeah, that was that was not my best presence month, but then we move into February. We sold the business officially on February 2nd. So then it was like I had this whole month where this thing that had been weighing heavily on my shoulders for honestly years was removed, which was like a really interesting experience because I felt like well, here's what I'll say. For after the date of closing until the end of February, I would rate myself like an eight out of 10 on the present scale, 10 being the highest. I was pretty dang present. And because I was able to, because I didn't have as many things on my to-do list as I had for the last little while. But what I will say is that there's that little difference between being an eight out of 10 and a 10 out of 10. And the thing that was keeping me from feeling like I was a 10 out of 10 or could be was that I needed to go through a little bit of what I like to call my hustling detox. I literally had to go through, it sounds kind of silly to like compare that month to a withdrawal, like from actual like substances. But I think in some ways it was, it had very similar, it was a similar experience, not to the extreme of like a substance withdrawal, <laughs> but there was this, this, thing that I needed to experience of basically recalibrating my nervous system. So February, Poppy Seed Play was officially sold. Money was in the bank account. The deal was done. That chapter was effectively closed in my life. And I had a couple of coaching clients that I was working with, but 
like not that many, but even though my workload effectively was so much lighter, this was so interesting, but I, I found myself, I would still pull out my laptop after my kids went to bed to work, even though I didn't actually really have any work to do. I would still check my phone constantly during the day because that's what I had become used to. It was just like habit for me. My nervous system was so used to this constant pull of working and to keep pushing forward that I kept playing out those patterns, even though there wasn't actually work to be done besides marketing my coaching spots. But I was doing that pretty lightly anyway. So February, I like to say I was in the heavy, the heaviness of my, um, well, actually it moved into March too. Let's say February and March, I was in the middle of my hustling detox. So March after I started to like realize what was happening, how I was just like, my nervous system was calibrated to working, even though there wasn't work to be done. And I was like, I basically like pulled the plug on that. I was like, no, we're not doing that. So then I moved into what I, I called it my 30 days of dreaming, where I gave myself 30 days to keep having our babysitter come over just like I had for years. But instead of me sitting down in my office and working, I gave myself permission to do whatever the heck I wanted. And I'll be honest, the beginning, that was really hard for me, but that month was so fun and it felt like my soul came back to life. And like I said, that was, I was still in my hustling detox phase, but what was so interesting was that when I intentionally slowed down, all of my emotions came up. I cried so much. (laughs) I took a lot of naps. I had a lot of movie days with my kids where like my energy was just really low. Like I said, even though I wasn't like pushing forward on any specific project in my business, it was just like all of the stuff that I had been pushing down came right up to the surface. And it really made me realize like, oh, this is what I've been running from. All those years and months when I was busy and working in any spare moment of time that I had, I was actually running from my emotions in a weird, sneaky way. And I know that because when I stopped, they all came right to the surface. So then we moved into April and May. I would get, I would, I would put myself back and in like an eight out of 10 at that phase. Cause I wasn't as focused on being present fully as I was during my 30 days of dreaming. During those 30 days, I was doing stuff like decorating my house and painting walls in my house and taking my kids to the library in the middle of the day and going on like dates with one of my kids while the other one stayed home with a babysitter and really just and like soaking up and enjoying that time to just be with them after some crazy months that we just survived through. Um, so April and May, I had a few coaching clients, but I wasn't fully booked. So I still had a lot of free time on my working calendar And there were, like I said, there were definitely moments, even then, when my brain kind of went into full panic mode, like I should be working right now. I should have calls on my calendar, but I don't. And I really had to manage my mind to turn that into, instead of making that a huge problem, I just decided to lean into it. So during that time, I read a lot of books while my babysitter was here. I went to the gym while she was here, which are both things that I never allowed myself to do because I had this belief that I always had to be working all the time. I went and got pedicures. I took myself out to lunch all while practicing the belief that I am working on becoming a fully booked coach. And so I had so much faith that like my dream clients were coming to me so that I could relax in that present moment instead of feeling panicked about the fact that I wanted more clients, but I didn't have them. So then we move into the summer, June, July, August, 
Um, the beginning of June, I launched my rebrand into like being a full on like big deal, <laughs> laughing as I say big deal, one on one business and life coach. And so like June, July, August moved into talking about my one on one coaching offers, bringing on new clients, signing new clients. And I would give myself probably like a seven or an eight out of 10 in those months, too, because I had so much extra wiggle room in my schedule that I didn't feel like I was overbooked or overworked. I started to get into overbooked land in about mid-September when I brought on a few new clients and then again at the beginning of October when I brought on a few more. But so it's almost like there was this little moment during the summer, late end of summer, where I had the perfect balance of ambition and presence. And then October, I overbooked myself, which is my pattern and moved back, slipped back into my old pattern of overworking and pushing myself. But what I want to show you here is that I really love this idea. You guys know, well, maybe you don't. If you haven't listened to any of my episodes about balance before, I'm going to give you my spiel about balance because I know it's kind of a triggering word for some of us and some of us absolutely hate it. And I used to, too. I used to be in the camper. I was like, don't ever say the B word around me because it's just not possible. But I completely rescind all of my statements about that. (laughs) I do think balance is possible. It just looks a little bit different than what I had in my mind. But I want to show you that like this, that that being balanced is actually just a feeling. It's actually just an experience in your body. It's the way that you feel inside of you and that you're going to go through seasons where you feel super out of balance, but, and your brain's going to want to try to make that a problem, but it's actually not a problem because it's showing you, it's going to help bring you back to what you actually want, which is increased presence, increased calmness, increased, you know, being there mentally, physically, and emotionally in your life. And so I don't even think that out of balance seasons are a problem because they help show you what you do want, which is more balance. So here's my spiel about the B word. (laughs) A lot of us traditionally think of like when you think of a balance, like a scale, right? The ones that you see in the picture, they have two sides that are connected at a midpoint. And when the weight is equal on both sides, then it's balanced, right? So I want you to picture one of those balance scales in your mind while I'm saying this, but a lot of us traditionally think of being balanced as having, as balancing all of your outward roles. You know, you have being a mom on this side and being a business owner on this side. And then if you have a church assignment or an assignment in your community, then things get really out of whack, right? But all of us have this expectation that we have to balance this role of being a mom and being a business owner. But what if it's actually not like that at all. And what if actually a better explanation of balance is balancing your inner energy with those outer forces? So I pick, I like to think like the way that we usually think of balance is like side to side from left to right. You've got the scale that's on the table in front of you. Um, motherhood is on one side. Business ownership is on the other side. But what if you turn the scale so that one of the sides of one of the sides of the weight is pointing towards you, almost as if it could like weigh what's going on in your heart. And then the other side of the scale that's facing away from you is weighing all those outward forces and everything gets sort of lumped together in that outward forces bucket. What if balance was less about weighing all the jobs and roles that you have to do and more about creating a balance between your ambition or all the things that you have to do on a daily basis, you know, the fun things, cook, clean, get the kids ready for school, pick them up from school, run your business, do your church calling, do your community thing. And then the other side of the scale is your presence. So the feelings in your heart, 
the thoughts in your mind, your physical energy, your creative energy? What if we actually strove? I actually really dislike that word strive, which I'm going to get into later. What if we actually aimed to balance those things instead? What's really cool about this, as a little side note, is that the the beef that I used to have with the word balance is it was like, stop giving us another thing to do. You know, don't give us all these jobs to do and then say that we have to balance them and do them all perfectly. But this kind of balance is less about that. And it's more about just like who you're being when you're being mom, who you're being when you're being a business owner, who you're being when you're in your church calling or wherever. And what I really like this way about thinking about balance is that when you feel out of balance, instead of being like, oh my gosh, my life's a mess, instead it's just like this red flag of like, hey, come back, come back, you've crossed your boundaries somewhere. And so like when I think about the um, the mental and emotional fatigue, when that comes back to me, it's like, oh, hey, Kaylin, it's time to revisit and reset some of your personal rules. It's time to recalibrate. And I know when to recalibrate because I now know what it's like to feel not burnt out, but that used to be my normal. (laughs) So if running on empty is your normal, it's going to be hard for you to recognize when you're out of alignment because you're going to think that's just normal. So let me just wrap up my spiel about balance by saying, once again, balance isn't another thing you have to do. It's just a way of being in your life. Okay, so I want to transition now to giving you some actionable tips and tools for how to become fiercely present. I absolutely love those words. Those words come from this book that I've been reading. You've probably seen me talk about it on Instagram because I really like it. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of the Modern World by John Mark Comer. And it's that he's actually a pastor. And so I really love his approach where he talks about like actually how to be present, but then teaches how the practice of being present is actually what God designed for us. And so this has really helped me connect the dots between like my aim to be more present in my life is actually part of my like spiritual journey. It's actually a way that I bring myself back to not just myself, not just to my family, but I also bring myself back to God. And for that, I'm like, listen, I love my family and I love myself, but like I can really go all in on that. If this, if really working on and learning how to be present will help me strengthen my relationship with God. I've got to figure this out. So I wanted to read just a little section from um, John's book. Again, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's bright red. You can't miss it. So good. Is now at the top of my recommended reads list. I really love it. So in this section, he's talking about, he, he gives the perfect example of how Jesus is the perfect example of presence. And then talks about stories in the Bible where you can actually watch Jesus being fiercely present and it's really beautiful. So he uses the examples of, you know, when, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days and then said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Not exactly in a hurry was he and his friend's life hung in the balance. Um, I'm going to read from his book here. In another story, Jesus was teaching in a synagogue when this guy Jairus literally fell at Jesus's feet, begging him to come and heal his little girl who was at the point of death. Again, life or death. But on their way home, a woman with a chronic health condition that went back 12 years interrupted Jesus. There's a beautiful story where Jesus just took all the time with her, no rush at all. And he, I also love, he uses the examples of like, can you imagine Jesus being stressed out 
like a stressed out Jesus, where he snaps at Mary Magdalene after a long day and says, I can't believe you dropped the ball, sighing and saying to himself, I seriously need a glass of wine. <laughs> you know, I don't drink wine, but I still think the image is funny. Can you imagine him half talking to you, half texting on his iPhone, a sporadic, uh-huh, punctuated a one, punctuating a one-sided conversation? Can you hear him saying, I'm sorry, I'd love to hear, heal your leg, but I have a plane to catch. I'm speaking at TEDx in Jerusalem tomorrow. <laughs> I just love that. Let me go back to reading this other... Um, this other section. In the end, Jesus did make it to Jairus's daughter and healed her as well. And every time I read that story, I'm struck by how fiercely present Jesus was. How he just would not let anything or anyone, even a medical emergency or a hurting father, rush him into the next moment. This story isn't a one-off or an outlier or an enigma. Jesus was constantly interrupted. Read the four Gospels. Half of the stories are interruptions, yet he never comes off as agitated or annoyed. Well, he does with religious people, but that's another book. <laughs> Jesus' Jesus's schedule was full to the brim at times, in a good way, yet he never came off as hurried. This rootedness in the moment and connectedness to God, other people, and himself weren't the byproducts of a laid-back personality or a pre-Wi-Fi world. They were the outgrowths of a way of life, a whole new way to be human that Jesus puts on display in story after story. Oh my goodness, I can go all in on that. I don't know about you. So I wanted to give you some, some tips, some things that I found that have been working really well for me in my efforts to be fiercely present and to experience what it's like to be fiercely present as much as I can through the last part of this year, through the holidays and into the beginning of 2024. And obviously I hope that it will extend beyond that. And I plan to make it extend beyond that. But that's where a lot of our brains are thinking right now, right? Is like, we got to get through the holidays. They're busy with our businesses. And then we got to get through the new year. <laughs> but I don't want to get just get through it. I want to like fully experience it. One of my one of my coaching clients in my mastermind said a few months ago the phrase like I want to be there. I want to be here like you know pointing to her brain like I want to be present with my family, with myself, with my kids and I still want to kill it with my sales. And I was like that I just think sums up perfectly what we all aspire to, right? So here are some things that I've been testing out that have been working really well for me. One, putting strong boundaries into when I'm working and when I'm not working. So key number one for me has been having childcare. I'm on a big soapbox about this recently because I've had so many women asking me about it. It's like a lot of us are filling this poll to have stronger boundaries about when we're working and when we're not instead of, you know, at the kitchen counter making lunch and answering emails at the same time or kids are, you put on a movie and then you sneak away and you're on your phone and you're on your laptop. A lot of us, I think, are feeling this poll to have a stronger separation you know, stronger boundaries between when we're working and when we're not. Another thing that works really well for me is putting my phone physically away from me. Sometimes if I'm on it, if I have like a day where I'm struggling to like resist the urge to check my phone, check Voxer because that's where my clients message me, check my Instagram DMs because that's where I get a lot of good conversations going. If I can't even resist the urge to not touch my phone, I just have to put it away. I'll put it in a drawer in my nightstand. If I go somewhere with my family in the evenings, I'll, I will leave it at home and just, you know, hope that if we go to Costco, Nate and I don't lose each other in Costco. Otherwise we are a lost cause. And I like physically have to put my phone away from me, which is probably like embarrassing for me to admit out loud, but has 
honestly helped a lot just to not even have it close to me. I for sure have all my notifications turned off. Another thing that I've been doing pretty recently is I will give myself at least 15 to 20 minutes of a quote unquote commute. When I'm done with my working day, I've just found that my brain really has a hard time switching from like work mode into mom mode instantly. If I was working in an office, I would have probably a quick drive in the car where I could listen to some music or listen to nothing and have silence and quiet to be able to like recenter myself after a busy, awesome day of work, which is how I feel about my work. I freaking love it, but I do need like separation and I do need help to sort of bring my mind back to here, to be present, to be, you know, with myself and so that I can then transition into my mom role and having that building in a really strong separation between the two roles has really helped me a lot. The next thing that I've been working on is something that I'm calling silence sessions. This idea also came from the ruthless elimination of hurry. And he talks about so many different examples in the Bible where this was like being apart, being away, having time for quiet and silence was part of Jesus's pattern. And so I've been really playing around with that and leaning into that. And like I said before, I've just been so surprised and delighted by how, as I've been leaning more into working on being more present, it has helped me spiritually. It's helped me develop my relationship with God. It's helped me feel like I can receive revelation and guidance and inspiration so much more clearly and easily. And yeah, I'm all for that. So A couple of things that I've been doing in my silence sessions. I'm trying to do them once a day, but I really struggle. I don't like to have routines. So I don't like to have like, I'm going to do it every single day at the same time in the same way. I like to just sort of like give myself some wiggle room and some freedom. So right now I'm aiming to have like 20 to 30 minutes of silence built into my day very intentionally, not just like, oh, I hope that I can find time to do that. But like, building my day around 20 to 30 minutes of silence. And when I first started doing this, it sort of felt like, wait, but like, if I'm going to like take time to be with God, I need to like do something. So I need to like get out my scriptures and start reading, or I should be like on my knees praying, or I should be journaling. And then it's kind of like, wait, no, I actually don't need to do any of that. That's sort of, you know, that's the out of balance, ambitious Kaylin talking there. That's not the fully present version of Kaylin that's trying to follow Jesus's pattern of silence and connection with God. And so what if I don't actually have to do anything and I can just like sit or lay in my bed and just think, and that's seriously it. Some people call this meditation. (laughs) Some people call this mindfulness, whatever you want to call it. This, I like to call it silence sessions where I am intentionally building quiet into my day, especially if you're a mom with young kids, you know that that silence is hard to come by. And so I'm really working on building it into my day. So I don't give myself any certain job to do. I just, sometimes I will write in my journal because I do have like really cool thoughts that come to me. I do believe that like it, like it's God talking to me. So I like recording some of those thoughts so that I don't forget them. And also so that I show him like, I really value this time with you and this, what you're teaching me. So I will just write, but for the most part, I just sit and feel and listen And a lot of times, honestly, I cry because it's like, it's like I'm giving time for all those emotions that have been running to catch up with me. (laughs) And when I do give myself time, they do come to me. And sometimes I do have to process through them, which for me, a lot of the time looks like crying. So I do that a lot, but it feels really good. When it brings those emotions to my awareness, 
a lot of the time it's like, oh, hey, anxiety, (laughs) what do you have for me? What do you need me to know? Oh, hey, worry. Hey, doubt. Hey, stress. How's it going? And I like to just sort of like almost just be like friends with my emotions so that I can not resist them and be scared of them. And then instead of, you know, trying to stuff them down and ignore them or avoid them, which is my traditional pattern, I like to ask them what they need me to know. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you got for me? Hey, worry, I can see you're there. What's like, what do you, what do we need to be worried about right now? Let's just get it all out in the open so that we can be fully clear about what we're worried about right now. Then we can decide if we actually do need to be worried or not. (laughs) But just like, I need, I need that time. I need that space for my emotions to catch up with me. And again, I think it's just interesting to think like maybe the part of the reason why we're in such a hurry all the time is because we don't want our emotions to catch up with us. So if we're always on to the next thing, then it's really hard for your emotions to get through to you. I well, I will speak for myself and say that is the case a lot of the time. I also love to think of these little silent sessions as like, this is an opportunity for me to repent. If the word repentance means to turn, which it does, it means to turn. And so this is an opportunity for me to turn back to God. And sometimes maybe I do think about like things that I could have done better today or things that I would like to improve on. For sure, I think about ways that, like, who do I want to be? Who do I, what do I want to feel more of? What do I want to feel less of? And how can I bring myself back to this moment of presence and remind myself who I really am at my deepest, most real core? Okay, next is a presence mantra that I also learned from this awesome book, um, But something that's been really helpful with this is that when the more I lean into my desire to be present, the more starkly I notice it when I'm not. I'll give you an example. Like just yesterday, I was getting Nora ready for a tumbling class that we go to. And it's like one of my favorite parts of the week because it's so fun to watch her and she loves it and we get out of the house and it's just a fun thing for us to do. And I caught myself rushing to get her into the car and I was like, Nora, hurry, hurry, hurry. We got to go. And like, as soon as it came out of my mouth, it was just like, it was just like, no mismatch. Like that is not who I want to be. I do not want to rush. I do not want to perpetuate my need to rush to her by saying, hurry, 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 you know? So all I'm saying is that the more I practice this way of thinking and being, the more I catch myself when I'm not, which is really helpful. But when you catch yourself when you're not, you got to know how to bring yourself back to presence. So this comes from the book again. He says, this is what he actually repeats to himself. Slow down, breathe, come back to this moment. Um, I added my own in here. I think, I don't think this line is actually from the book, but I really like the phrase like receive this moment. And then this phrase that I love, Accept the heart as a pathway to peace. Accept the heart as a pathway to peace. And then he says the word abide. I'm going to talk about the word abide in just a few minutes, which I just has become, has begun to mean so much to me. Began? (laughs) My words are not forming coherent sentences anymore. The word abide is so beautiful. Okay, next. Something I've been really working on is building up my attention endurance. Just in the last few weeks, I've noticed how often I get a text from Nate that distracts me or I get a text from my the women in my church calling that makes me remember all the things that I are on my to-do list that I haven't even explored yet, that I haven't even like written down yet, 
or um, I check my phone or I leave the room to work on another project and just like I am just can I even sit down for five minutes straight to like work on my own thing like obviously when I'm on a coaching call with a client I'm 100% there but like when I'm just when I'm just being me can I even like focus for a sec (laughs) so some of you've seen I've been really into writing my Peloton recently and I learned so many cool tidbits of about life from the Peloton instructors but this one has really and stuck with me. So one of this was a particular workout that was a hills workout, but it was like a long intervals workout. So instead of, you know, just going really hard for 30 seconds or a minute, which is what you do a lot of the time, she was pushing it to two minutes. So it was like a really hard push for two minutes. And she used the analogy of like, I want you to feel like you're putting your hand above a flame where it's like a little bit uncomfortable, but you can keep it there. And you're going to really practice leaving it there and teaching your body. And then she went into this whole thing about how you can, your body can, you can retrain your body to use lactic acid for energy, which blew my mind. And I'm not going to go into that in this episode, but I just thought that was such a cool imagery of like, when I think about like building up my attention endurance, if I think about it, like putting my hand above a flame where it's like, can I push through this and you know, where my brain is going to want to offer 50 bajillion things that I should be doing right now instead, or things that I forgot and things that I don't want to, don't want to forget. Can I just hold it here and maintain this for a period of time? And then lastly, the, the, this one's honestly been probably the biggest, but, and this also comes from the book as well. So I want to make sure to give him credit, but he talks about increasing the space between your load and your limit because I think for me I had this belief that like my load and my limit should be 110% 100% of the time and you know that's a really good way to like lead yourself to burnout I have found so something I've been working on he calls it increasing the margin between your load and your limit and aiming for like if you aim for 80% of your load 80, aim for 80% of your limit, basically. Give yourself some room to breathe so that you're not running at 100% all the time. I really like the idea if we turn it into a business analogy, which I'm always game for. If we turn this into a business analogy, if we talk about it like your profit margin, where you have the actual costs of your product and then you have the amount that you sell it for, you want to try to maximize that profit margin as much as you can. And so what if we play around with the thought of like maximizing the margin between your load, and your limit as much as possible? What if we play around with ways for you to actually to even build your business by having the smallest load possible, basically doing the least amount of work possible? A lot of women have a lot of resistance to that because then they think that means that they're lazy or that they're not living up to their potential. But it's like, it's just interesting to play around with in my mind. I like to think about how can I increase that margin between my load and my limit as much as possible? So finally, I just want to leave with some of my thoughts that I told you about abiding. Again, this comes from the book. And he talks about just that word abide. To abide is the perfect word to capture what it means to be present. And abiding, he says, is the deep, loving enjoyment of the Father's company. Oh my goodness, I love it so much. And I especially love it so much when I think about the pattern that a lot of us are used to is striving 
we're striving, we're always striving towards something. We're striving to build our business. We're striving to be a good mom. We're striving to make more money. But it's like striving is the exact opposite of abiding. Striving is the opposite of being. And when I think of striving, I think of like a doggy paddle where it's like you're doing a lot of work and it's not very effective, but you're like killing yourself and working yourself to the bone, trying to get what you want. And what if we didn't have to do that? What if we didn't even have to strive for anything? Jesus is the most beautiful example of presence. He will not let anything, even a medical emergency, rush him into the next moment. He doesn't get agitated. He doesn't get annoyed. He doesn't rush to the next moment. Those three for me are like, those are like the story of being a mom for me. (laughs) I get agitated a lot. I get annoyed easily. I rush to the next moment all the time. But how would Jesus live if he were a mom? You know, he's a male. He doesn't, he's not a mother of children, but I like to just ask the question, how would he do this? If Jesus had little kids around right now, how would he handle this? I don't know all the specific details, but I do know for sure that his priorities were to make space for God and to love people and to slow down and spend a lot more time together. The last thought that I want to leave is that it could be possible that we actually need Jesus's grace to help us be fully present. Maybe it's if it's something that is like, highly difficult for us to accomplish on our own, I fall into that camp. Obviously, this is something that's really hard for me and not natural for me and something I really have to practice. What if I actually prayed and asked God to help me be more present? What if I actually asked for Jesus's grace to fill in the holes and to help me be as present as I can be? I think that's kind of the formula for a happy life, to be able to inhabit the current moment that you're in. Honestly, after recording this episode, part of me wants to turn the name of this podcast episode from the wholehearted business to the full hearted business. That is what it's all about for me. That this is not this business deal that we're doing is not just like a fun thing to do on the side. It's actually part of our lifestyles. It's part of the way we experience our lives and our business and our families and our faith in God can all coexist at the same time and they can actually do it really beautifully. I don't know about you, but I'm a huge fan of that. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Please share it with a friend, especially your female, ambitious, high achieving friends who, you know, might need just a little love (laughs) to remember how to come back to presence and to really practice it. And man, it's the work, the effort of a lifetime, but for me, it has been everything. So I hope this helps you experience deep, beautiful, abiding. Hey, thank you so much for listening in today. Are we already friends on Instagram? If not, come over and follow me at kaylin.priest. It's the best way to get tons of free value that I put out into the world through my content and also to stay up to date on my current offers and ways that you can get more support and coaching from me. So come over, follow me on Instagram and send me a DM to say hi and let's be friends.